I'm Elizabeth Glau, Product Marketing Manager for Sciencia. We make chatbots for events, otherwise known as event bots. You can find me on all of the socials at Elizabeth Glau. And this is Season 2 of Making a Marketer. I'm Jen Cole, Community Manager for Social Media Examiner and co-founder of Depict Media. You can find me on the socials at Jen Cole ICT. And welcome to Season 2 of Making a Marketer. And I'm your host, Megan Powers, and I am at Megan Powers on the Twitter. And my business is Powers of Marketing. I am so excited to welcome you on to season two, kicking it off with a reunion here of Making a Marketer. Okay, so it was a little bit like herding cats. But we're having two reunion shows and uh, the groups of people are in 20 minute increments. So we'll see how this goes. My goal was to, um, well, say hello because they're all my friends um, and and to kind of like just do a revisit with them and let everyone know um, to listen back on season one if they haven't yet. Right. And then to kind of um, get everyone excited about season two. So uh, our guests on this section of the show are Kylene Kalen. She was on episode one. Um, we talked customer service and reputation management via social. Brian Fanzo, he was on episode two. Um, we talked with um, he and Jessica Phillips about building community. And then Kelly Mirabella, and she was on episode 16 with Chris Strub talking live video. So I'm going to give you guys each, each a chance to give your quick... Quick intro on yourselves. Uh, Kylene, you want to go first? Sure. Hi. I'm happy to be back. Thanks for having me, Megan. I'm Kylene Kalen, Communications and Social Media Manager for Newland. We're a land developer with 30 communities in 14 states. And I'm everywhere online at Kylene Kalen. Perfect. Brian. Uh, excited to be back on. Episode two was a long time ago. Uh, but Brian Fanzo, founder of iSocial Fans, uh, millennial keynote speaker. I'm a host of two podcasts myself. One is called Smack Talk and one is called FOMO Fans with a Z or a Z at the end. Uh, excited to be here. Um, I'm out of DC, so uh, across the country for sure. Right on. Kelly Kelly. What's up? I'm so excited to be here as well. My name is Kelly Noble Mirabella. I am the founder of Stellar Media Marketing. I've been in the social media game for over 11 years, and I am everywhere at Stellar247. These days, you can find me making 80s-themed chatbots over on YouTube. Chatbots, the uh, videos, sorry. <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah, that's it. We definitely have to have you back to talk chatbots. Uh, so real quick, before we get into the thick of it, our show is sponsored today uh, by Powers of Marketing. We provide strategic marketing, communication, consulting, and execution for small to medium-sized businesses, helping our clients increase their brand awareness and, of course, sales as a result. All right, cool. So Kylene, we, we, um, we talked about how different Things are now in the whole customer service world with uh, with social media, um, with with Kari and, and Jen Herman. Also, they weren't able to make it on, but um, so I just wanted to ask. So it's almost exactly one year later. I think it was a year uh, on the eighth or something. Some anyway, some somewhere um, last week or no the eighth. What's today? A year and a day. It's oh yeah. Right? Isn't yeah. today the ninth? Year it and is. A day? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I uh, 
keep track of myself. Um, so I wanted to see if there's anything that's changed for you and your clients on the, on this front. When I look back at the last year, I've seen a major increase in the messages that are coming in, the private messages that are coming in on Facebook, especially. That's our biggest focus. Also on Instagram. But the questions that I get on Facebook are things that I used to only see via email, maybe contact form on our website, or if someone was actually coming in face-to-face, or of course, giving us a call. And that's now coming through Facebook. So I think the biggest thing is that you cannot ignore those messages. It's not a set it and forget it. Um, I think having a chatbot to respond quickly is a great way to handle that. But you've got to be in there watching those messages and making sure you're replying because these are, these are real customers. We build communities. So these are people who are asking about relocating or buying a house, pricing, when are the models open? Things that normally they'd pick up the phone and call, they're communicating through Facebook. That's so interesting. That, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, right? Especially with how they've ramped up uh, Messenger and the, the ability to contact right. the Messenger, um, either mm-hmm. by a person or a chatbot. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, I think when we got started, it was so easy to ignore those messages because they weren't, they weren't often or they weren't real or, and now it's just like you cannot ignore them. You've got, if you don't, if you're not in the Facebook Messenger tool or the message inbox, then you need to have a tool so that you're checking those messages every day because those are real customers that want to talk to you and communicate and have a conversation back and forth over chat with you at any time of the day sometimes. Sometimes it's late at night and that's when they're on and they're looking and they want information. And if you're available, it's great if you can respond at that time. For sure. Do you, are you using the uh, the out-of-office timing hours thing on your Facebook pages or, or no? We're using that for some of them. Yeah, the ones that are more active, that really helps to put, put that out-of-office there. So, Kylene, I have a question um, kind of, you know, about how keeping it real on social media is still um, very, very important. It's always going to be very, very important to be transparent, but there's a lot of uh, brands out there that still don't understand how important that actually is to be visually real and visually transparent across all of your digital channels. So what is one thing that you'd love to say to them to truly drive the point home? Don't be afraid to put your face out there. You are, you are the face behind the company and people know they're a person who's like you are. They want to respond to the person on the other end. So oftentimes we'll sign off with our name if we're signing off from, um, the community account. But sometimes my team's on the run and they might not necessarily be using the pages app. If they happen to see a comment come through and they're on their personal Facebook app, I have no problem when they reply from their personal account because they're, they're attached to the page. The community starts to know and the home shoppers start to know that that's the team behind that community. And that makes it even more personal and really makes that connection more authentic, I think. Yeah, definitely. That is so powerful to be able to pull in like the face behind the brand and, and truly be transparent. That's just absolutely amazing. I was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, Kylene, uh, I, I was kind of revisiting just your uh, you know LinkedIn profile just to reacquaint myself with the work the work you're doing, and I was really impressed that you know, you're managing so many. It's it's different than managing a lot of clients, right? Because you're managing um, you know kind of assets that all need to be linked and you know con- with a consistent messaging. I don't know if your role has evolved where you know all of those 
kind of people doing the the work in those communities report to you, but it seems like it would be difficult to make sure you're maintaining that consistency across the brand, you know, with each of those those communities, with, you know, each of them wanting to have their own, let's just say authenticity, right? (laughs) To to tie it back into, you know, Jen's question. So what, like, what tips do you have about maintaining that consistency? And they do have that. So my role is to oversee social media for the corporate strategy. So I'm responsible for training and best practices. And I'm there to help in times of crisis or brainstorming for contests or new campaigns. But they run the everyday, you know, the day-to-day ins and outs. So once we've gone over training and we've gone over best practices, I'm reviewing things at a high level, but I can't catch, you know, everything on all of these. Plus, every community does have its own brand. So they know the best way to speak and they know the details, what's happening on the ground. And so I'm confident that I have the right people in place that can answer the questions and, and give the right service to the people who are, who are there with them face to face or Facebook to Facebook. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So it sounds like training is kind of the, probably the key to success in your case. That's key. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you're training everybody, right? Across the country. That's part of your, part of your job. Yeah, that's that's part of my role. Um, we're we're rolling out a new training program, and we're actually going to be relaunching a crisis PR plan in the new year because we've seen a change this year as well. Um, some of our issues that have come up have escalated faster than they would have in the past, maybe because we have more users, or um, we had some things spread pretty quickly. So we're going to revisit that. Um, as a company and make sure everybody has that training in place. Excellent. Okay. So Brian Fanzo. All right. So I'm going to do, I'm going to go a little origin story with you. So I want to see if you can describe in two minutes, this is your challenge, uh, (laughs) how you got to this point in your career. And then beyond that, um, how social media is totally ruling how you're, you're getting your speaking gigs. Sure. No. Um, so it's always it's always hard. Two minutes. Okay. So I like the challenge. Um, but you know, for me, uh, I I kind of uh, you know when you're growing up, you're told what do you want to be when you grow up, and you're thinking about like an individual thing. Um, and then I realized I don't really fit into a box. So then I said, oh, technology is what I will do, quote unquote, uh, do. Uh, and then I started working in the technology field, and people, I realized that it really wasn't about the technology. It was more about um, enabling people to change, enabling people to do things that maybe they weren't um, believing that they could do. And so that led into, I worked in the Department of Defense. Uh, and then I realized what I was really good at the Department of Defense was translating the, the conversation of technology to different groups. So I talked to the generals in the military. I went to Iraq and Afghanistan with brand new 18, 19 year old soldiers. I went and worked with government agencies inside the Pentagon. I would say fast forward, what I do now as a speaker, as a podcaster is the same thing. I, I, my origin of what I figured out that I'm really good at is I like to say I translate the geek speak. So I take complex items or complex scenarios or complex tools and I try to translate it in a way that makes sense to each different type of audience. So if I'm talking to like this week alone, I was talking to developers yesterday uh, tomorrow, I'm flying to Vegas for an event that is for luxury travel agents. And so to me, it doesn't matter about the audience. It's more about, okay, this is what they want to accomplish. I try to translate what they need to do to make that happen. And so it, I would say it started with technology and now has led to this idea where the technology doesn't really matter. It's more about helping people do something um, and, and kind of translating that path. Nice. You did it under two. Woo-hoo! I'm so impressed. 
<laughs> All right. So, um, and I love how you, uh, I noticed you, you customize your talks because a lot of speakers don't do that. Like they don't take the time to get to know the organization that they're in front of. Um, so I love, I love that you do that. So tell us a little bit about how social media is really filling your pipeline of the gigs you're getting. So, I mean, almost all of my uh, exposure and experience, like I like to say social media changed my life, both business and personal. Um, and much of it became to the point where, you know, I do believe we live in the greatest time in the world. It doesn't matter where you live, what you do, what your resume is, um, even your access to information and technology, you have the ability to tell your story. And I've kind of embraced the telling your story everywhere and anywhere on every channel that exists. Um, and, you know, what you said about kind of customizing your presentations, a lot of that just happens to be who I am. Um, I always joke that I could never be in a, well, first of all, I can't sing, but even if I could sing, I would never be able to be in a band that was one hit wonders because I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. Um, I believe the reason I love storytelling is that every time you tell a story, no matter how many times you tell a story, the variables change, either who you're telling it to, when you're telling it in your life, what time it is, if you've been drinking, if you haven't been drinking, all of these things <laughs> make, make storytelling pretty powerful. And I love that ability. And so when I do my presentations, I tailor it to the audience. I tailor it to what's changed. A lot of times uh, my slides aren't, um, the, the slides are guides to get me to certain uh, stories. But the stories, a lot of times I'll have a slide and I'll tell three different stories off of that one slide and I'll just read the audience. And the reason I do that is because I remember going to events seven or eight years ago and being very insulted by people that would go up there and give the same talk for three years in a row and kind of treat us as if, you know, hey, we didn't have enough time to personalize it. And, and I get paid a lot of money to go on stage and have that opportunity. And for me, it's someone's giving me an hour of their time, 100% focused, well, maybe 95% focus. They're tweeting and taking pictures and replying <laughs> yeah. to things. But they're giving me that time. Like, I... I, I take that with the greatest amount of respect there is that if you give me your time, even with my podcast, I'm going to give you 100% of what I have. I'm going to personalize it and I'm going to give you 110%. And I realized the only way that I could give 110%, it's the same way on all the social media, is first I have to be myself. And secondly, is I have to reinvent and continue to tweak and change because if I was just going up and giving the same present, I mean, I'll give uh, the press the damn button presentation. I'll give it 36 times this year supposedly, uh, as long as everything gets booked through the rest of the year. Um, and so I'll give it 36 times. I will say of the 36, maybe two of them were, were 80% of the same presentation. And so I take pride in that. I also think it helps me getting booked multiple gigs. But yeah, social media is my number one path for getting new business. It's also the way that I build referrals, the way I build um, you know, continual business for sponsors and things for my podcast as well. That's fantastic. Well, we, we always have so much to learn from you, um, Brian, and um, I know that it's a challenge to keep you brief, but I'm also going gonna, gonna to keep you brief. So if you could say one thing to someone who is new to marketing about the power of community and establishing a truly devoted followership, what would that be? Ooh, so I believe community is the future of business. I don't believe there... I think for every business that's out there, you're going to realize that your community is your future. And community is much more than just the, the online community. Community are your current employees, your partners, your clients, your current clients, your potential uh, customers, and then your future customers. Um, and I think for when it comes to community, here's the thing with, with community is that 
people often say, well, Brian, I built a big following on social media. Well, that's not a community. The difference between the two, and this is probably what's most important for people that are out there, is that you want to invest in other people so that they will follow you no matter where you go. If you build a following on a channel and the channel disappears and people no longer care what you're doing, you do not build a community, you build a, a, build a following on a network. And so the difference is for businesses and small businesses, entrepreneurs, you need to build a community that is excited. If I, I go from live video to podcasting, I go from podcasting to offline events, I, I, you have to build a community to where you invest in them and they'll go anywhere that you go. And so I think that's where it starts. And the second part is, I, I believe relatability is the future of marketing. And so if you want to build a community, you have to be relatable, which means you have to be yourself. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brian. I mean, you're always so inspiring. All the knowledge bombs. So speaking of relatability, I know that the, uh, the two things or two of the things that you know best um, are, is millennial marketing and events, which we kind of touched on earlier. So what do you think about events? Are, are they poised to help brands connect with younger customers or are they missing the mark? And what, what do you think they should be doing differently? So I think they're missing the mark at this moment, but I believe events will be the catalyst for community growth moving forward. Because here's the thing, as we become more digitally native, more digitally connected, we are now desiring more offline connections. We are now desiring more offline ability. I mean, the trampoline parks, the paintball, uh, paintball parks, their businesses are soaring in 2018. Why? Because people are looking for opportunities. Well, first, because they look good on Instagram, let's be real. Uh, you take a picture at a paintball park and it looks good on Instagram. Uh, but the second thing is that people are looking, hey, I'm so da- I'm so connected digitally. I want opportunities to connect in other arenas. And so I think for companies that are out there, events are going to go into this new cycle. We're going to see more companies doing events. It's going to be less than just yearly. We're going to see quarterly events. We're going to see events more focused, kind of like in that unconference uh, mentality. But I like to think of it, as unconference Woo-hoo. without just labeling it unconference, right? Like actually <laughs> putting something out there in that in that actual arena. actual peer-to-peer learning. Yeah, actual peer-to-peer learning. And yeah. and not like truly, you know, like I think this is where we're we're saying, okay, well, how do people learn best online? Well, the reason that we have podcasts, video, blogs, social networks, 140 characters, and five thousand word blog posts is because we all learn differently. Weirdly enough, when we go to events, we give you one way to consume. Go sit in that very uncomfortable chair for an hour and some person like me is going to get on stage and talk to you for an hour. Well, I think we're going to have to change that up, right? And we're going to have hour-long keynotes. We're going to have 10-minute long sessions. We're going to have... I was in Poland a month ago and they did these pop-up sessions where they bought 20 keynote speakers and they just called your name. You stood up where you were at when you were a microphone and you just talked. (laughs) I love it. And it was so so much different learning. It, It felt like what we're doing right now. It felt like... We were all in our own Zoom square and in this live <laughs> event, and it, it really was compelling. And so I'm excited because if you're looking at, you know, right now we have we have a very difficult landscape. For the first time in history, we have four generations in the workplace. We have baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Z. And so for the first time ever, we have to figure out how do we relate with these people across the board? Well, guess what? If you're engaged and give creative ways to op- and opportunities to learn at offline events, you can get all four of those generations in one place and provide them value. The biggest question is, how do we do that? And and here's the thing, companies are gonna have to invest in smart event managers. They're gonna have to invest in not caring about someone if they've written a book 
I don't care if you've written a book on and you're, I'm going to give you the stage. I want someone that is going to, is going to relate to my audience, inspire people to make a movement and give actionable takeaways. And I think when we switch the mindset to say, Hey, companies, let's invest in people that know events. Just because you're a big company doesn't mean you can run an event, right? Like hire people that know how to put on events. Events, hire people that, that go on stage that can relate with your audiences. When that happens, that's where the magic of events. And, I, and mark my words, 2019, 2020, event, the amount of events that we are going to see is going to rocket up because we are so connected online. We are going to be begging for more offline opportunities in the market. Preach. I think the statistics already show an increase, but yeah. yeah and it's going to even go higher because Gen Z even wants it more than any of the other audience. I mean, look at a 14-year-old now. Like, they're going to the mall again. Like, mall mall traffic for, for <laughs> high schoolers Woo-hoo. are going up. Because even though they're texting their friends at the mall who are sitting next to them. Everything's full circle, right? It all, it all comes back like, in style. They're all playing Fortnite at the same table <laughs> against the same group of people. Are but they, people uh, they're, they're craving that offline. Like yeah. they, they're leaving their bedroom and going and doing it at the mall. Yeah. Now can the yeah. mall give them a captivating experience to where they're even willing yeah. to put down their device? Like That's where event managers really have their work cut out. Okay. So Preach, Brian, are you listening? MPI? PCMA, ILEA, all these organizations need to have you. Um, 99 others. We have 100 now. <laughs> oh, really? Holy moly. Yeah. There's 101 associations for event planners. Oh, my goodness. Okay. That's insanity. All right. So we could obviously talk to Brian for an hour. Um, or he could talk to us for an hour. <laughs> hey, I, I was pretty, I was pretty dialed in there. I was pretty, that's hard for me. <laughs> totally. And we're, we're like over time, but it's okay. Cause I love the content when the content's good. It's, it's good. So hopefully uh, everything goes smoothly for, for the rest of the hour. So Kelly Noble, Mirabella, you are up. So um, my question for you, having your, um, your chat bot babe, along with Amanda, who's, who's up next. Um, but, uh, and we'll talk to you about that in, in season two. But we talked live streaming um, with you and, and Chris Strub. And so I, my question for you is, I'm, I'm curious uh, if you see any changes coming down the pipe on the line on the live streaming front in the near future. So I think that what we're starting to see recently is that the hype of live streaming kind of circling around this idea of like it's the golden ticket to get through the algorithm on Facebook specifically is going to start declining. I think the early adapters will still still see great results, but I don't think you're going to see as much as like that's the only thing that's going to get you up to the, you know, the right people. So the use of things like chatbots or, um, you know, pre-planning your Facebook lives and pre-marketing are going to be more and more important than just relying on, I'm going to jump on, do my live, and hopefully it will still work. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to do that anymore. So really evolving with the technology that's out there. And then I also think that we're going to see more quality-driven programming through the live platform. Um, I still think there's a place for that organic kind of people jumping on doing their thing. But I think the early adapters are already past that. They're starting to look on to how can I create consistent shows? How can I bring on, you know, great uh, quality guests? And how can I increase the quality of my programming? Not only the content, but, you know, the viewer, how the viewer sees it. So like the camera that you're using and the software that you're using is going to improve. For sure. And I, and also on next is Kiki and she has been killing it 
on that front for a long time. Like she was doing it before it was a, a thing. So, um, and she's using all the good tech like you are and stuff. So um, awesome. Okay. Jen. Yeah, Kelly, you are always on the cutting edge and you have such an awesome personality, very approachable. And, and I'm sure that whoever you're teaching out there just absolutely loves you. Um, just had to say that. Um, so back to live streaming, it can truly be impactful for a brand that uses it in the right way. And we all know that. Um, but what is one thing that you specifically like to teach your clients when you're, when they're first developing a broadcasting presence? Do it consistently. And I mean, like, if you're going to do it every other week, fine, but do it on the same day and preferably if you can, the same time. I have several of my clients on a weekly schedule because it just works, especially if they're uncomfortable at first. We try to get them on a weekly schedule and I will go out and physically be with them so we get them on camera consistently at the same time every week because then your audience expects it. It's easier for marketing across all platforms and creating kind of the cycle of engagement and really building a viewership. And as I mentioned before, chatbots being my new favorite baby, uh, that tech coupled with a consistent Facebook Live, you can really build like, you know, show subscribers and build that viewership up. But the consistency is the key to successful Facebook Lives. And this is coming from a chick who literally jumps on whenever I get the whim. But I'm telling you with my clients, we are doing consistent schedules. And in comparison to what I'm doing, just jumping on, they are seeing a lot more success. That's I absolutely bet. amazing. That's so true. So true. So perfect that your uh, partner in crime is up next. Uh, Miss Amanda Robinson and, and Kiki Litalian are, are on next. Um, so I have the last question, uh, Kelly will ask it of you and, and Amanda, and then Amanda will have you and Kiki uh, introduce yourselves. Um, your, are you seeing growth in your business because of the the live show that you two do together. Amanda, you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't want to equate it one-to-one growth in business because I'm making a lot of changes right now. There's a lot of growth opportunity for business. Doing the live stream show with Kelly has tapped into her network as well as my network. It's exposed each of us to a, a whole other group of people that we didn't we, we didn't realize that we had not necessarily mutually in common, but are still in the same sphere. They're still in the same industry. And it's been it's been amazing. So the people that I'm meeting through Kelly, the people Kelly is meeting through me, and the fun that we're having. It's I mean, the, the, the more fun we have, the more business it seems to attract and the more people who want to come over and play in our chatbot worlds with us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I got to say, you know, going back to when I first started using Facebook Live, like I was one of the very first early adapters. I think I had the first e-course on Facebook Live that was ever out. I even beat Ian for some amazing thing, (laughs) which is amazing because his program is stellar. But um, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I decided I'm going to go live every day. And I did. I went live every day. I had a topic every day. And I did this for like three months. I had really consistent Facebook Live. After that, my business blew up in a good way. <laughs> and and, it, and I bring you back to that because going forward to where Amanda and I are on together, we're on summer break right now for our show. But um, just having... Again, going back to consistency, the more you can get your face in the feed the more business is going to come. You want people to think of you no matter what. So even if no one shows up to my Facebook Lives, I know it's still benefiting me because they're seeing me in stories. They see me post. They see my face in a video as they're scrolling by. And when it's time for them to need someone to do what we do, guess who they're thinking of? 
And yes, absolutely, business has boomed because of live video for me. Is it, is it sad that Kelly is one of the first faces that I see before I go to sleep and one of the first faces I see when I wake <laughs> That's up? That's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> That's not sad. I you know you that. love me. <laughs> there could be worse faces. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. All right. So that is a, an amazing transition into uh, Amanda and Kiki up next. I want to thank Kelly and Brian and Kyleen for coming back for the reunion mm-hmm. show. You guys are amazing. Hopefully, um, awesome. back in season so fun. Um, so you guys can hang out if you want, or you can um, be on your merry way. I know how busy everyone is. So, all right. Thanks, you guys. All right. Amanda and Kiki. Hello, hello. Welcome. Hi. Hey, hey. How's it going? Good. Okay. So, uh, you two were on episode 11. Yes. Digital marketing strategy oh, for yeah. building your business and brand. And it, like, Many shows, uh, it, it kind of it took on a different life than we expected. And it was amazing. And it was, it's been one of our most listened to episodes. Um, so if you're listening to this now and haven't yet, please um, go back and listen to season one, especially um, episode 11, and you'll see why in a second. Um, they're so awesome. And so I'm letting you guys uh, introduce yourselves rather than me read a, a full-on bio. So since um, we heard Amanda's voice already, Kiki, you want to give us a quick who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, who who I is. I am Kiki Latalian. And yes, episode 11 was, was the episode. It was International Women's Day 2018. And we rocked it. Um, and I am a digital strategist. I think I'm calling myself a creative technologist now, just, you know, because. But um, digital strategist... <laughs> Uh, with Amplified Growth. And I'm also the host of something called Association Chat, which, you know, that's sort of my area is associations and nonprofits. And um, that's that's my thing. That's what I do. Yeah. And I totally needed uh, service you're providing the community. So that's that's amazing. <laughs> no, for real. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Miss Amanda. So I am Amanda Robinson, Social Savvy Society, helping make business life easier for the less digitally savvy. And I'm really, I mean, I don't have a really super fancy title other than professional digital marketing geek. Everything to do with Facebook ads, Google AdWords, Google Analytics, uh, measuring any data that I can get my hands on, chatbots, anything that really makes marketing and marketing ad dollars more efficient. That's my jam. Fantastic. Okay, so... I know we all listened to it back. I listened to it a couple times because there was just so much great information in there. So I wanted to know from you guys if there's anything that you thought about after we did the show, like when you listened to it back that you thought, oh, I wish I had said this or anything that you wanted to add. You know, I I will jump in and say there was so much. I forgot how much we covered. I took notes off of like everything we went through. Um, and it was so good, but, but the thing that, uh, I didn't talk about that I, I thought, yeah, you know, this part really was left out was this, uh, the importance of collaboration. And, um, I thought that like since then, and it's so funny because I heard, I caught the tail end of you talking with, um, with Brian and he was talking about events and stuff. Um, just at that tail end, that's one area where I've really been digging in lately is looking at how to work with other people to, and, and you know, there are meetups and all, tweet, there are tweet ups and all of this stuff that we have already. 
um, to create these types of things. But this purposefully pulling together the communities that we create so that we can pr- continue to provide value and provide people an option to to meet in person and collaborating with others, like what you're doing with this, which is awesome, um, that, that. I didn't talk about collaboration, you guys. And that was like a big, I feel like a big miss. So like, that's the part I left out. All right. So we'll talk in uh, part two of the Kiki and Amanda, we'll have you back and, and we'll definitely, we'll, we'll cover that. What do you think, Amanda? It's similar to what Kiki was saying on the collaboration side. I think instead of having something I wish I had said during that broadcast, it's more like something I wish I had done between that broadcast and now, which was connecting with Kiki. Kiki, you were like my, you're like my, my digital marketing spirit. I can't believe you two did that. And we haven't, we haven't connected and collaborated yet. (laughs) Just to be clear, you guys, though, I'm, so cyber stalking her though. I have watched <laughs> the social media track that went across the country. I have uh, I have hearted and liked like all kinds of stuff. The love is there. The so love is definitely can, there. Amanda, it can still like, happen. You know, is what I'm on, on your new friendship. Yeah, you guys need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, we, we should start doing a couple live broadcasts together, just like geeking out together. Same as how Kelly and I have done our live show. We need to start, we, we just need to start collaborating exactly like you were saying, but it's it's not yeah. that I have stuff I wanted to add to the last show. It's my regret, my genuine regret that we haven't actually connected because you and I Aww. operate in the same yeah. space. We are very passionate about what we do, and we both have a lot to bring to the table for each other. So I'm really excited. And I'm just excited. Again, at this collaboration, this type of collaboration has exposed me to you and your network and and vice versa. And it's just these types of opportunities that um, Jen, Megan, um, everyone is providing here. This is where the magic happens. For sure. Yeah. We're not, we're not face-to-face, but we kind of are face-to-face. <laughs> our, our audience can't see us, but um, yeah. Sorry, Kiki. I, I just, I, no, I just want to add one other thing. I mean, I know the question was about, was there anything that, that we didn't say that we wish we could have? And then, uh, but, but, and Amanda was like, here's the regret. I, I just want to like call out the thing I got the most out of it, like like what I got out of the experience and in connecting and, and listening back. And, you know, I was like, okay, so how did this go? What did we talk about? What did I leave out? What do I, what do I wish I had said? I'm just overwhelmed by like how awesome it was to hear other people talking about what it took to be a marketer, what everyone was working on, what were the struggles. And then a lot of the questions that we addressed, there was a lot of head nodding and a lot of like, yeah, yeah, I'm struggling <laughs> with that too. Or, or yeah, you know, that's something that I faced and continue to face. And that was just awesome. I, I really love what you guys are doing because I, I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, it, it's not just commiserating. It's actually learning from other experiences and feeling like you're not alone, you know? So I, I think that that I got a lot of that from, from the podcast. For sure. Amazing. Yay. I'm so happy to hear that. Like it, it's, you know, we, we're doing it for that exact reason. We want to learn, we want to interact and we want to give um, people an opportunity to learn uh, from, from our guests. And so, um, yay. Thanks. Yeah, I, I love the collaboration too. The whole idea of it is just so like when it's done right, which I feel like you guys, we all do it 
very, very right, especially in our industry. We're very blessed. But uh, I'm sorry, Amanda and Kiki, your chemistry is absolutely brilliant. So um, can I just say for a second, get on it, guys. Okay. Um, now, <laughs> back to uh, digital marketing and branding and those kinds of things. Um, I'd like to ask you both, maybe get um, both of your perspective on this. Um, when it comes to establishing like look, feel, voice for a brand, how important do you feel that it is for a brand to keep it all consistent across all digital platforms and channels? Amanda, you can go first. Yeah, familiarity is absolutely key. I mean, if you are... If you have one look on one channel, a completely different look on another channel, or you're just not showing up to the table at all on another channel, it does it does impact it. I mean that recognizability and giving shaping the sorry managing the expectation on what people should expect from you when you are showing up to the table with your content, with your live streaming, with your images, with your brand voice. If you can shape that expectation, then there's a higher likelihood that people are going to start engaging with you on a more ongoing, regular basis. You know, it's not the old bait and switch. It's not like you're amazing one minute and then crickets the next minute. I'm guilty of this with my own business and my own brand. I don't do enough of what I preach for my clients. I don't do enough of it for myself. But the importance of it, huge. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> Well, it's so funny because it's like, I know one of the big things that I talked about um, in the last one was, and I'm so glad I went back and re-listened to it because it, I was like, oh, yes, that was that was a good point that we were talking about, um, was the importance of image, right? And the importance of, we were talking about branding and um, and I talked about the fact that I'd had these pictures made and I hadn't put this huge like social media strategy into place for myself, but I just replaced the images. I just used the professional portraiture, replaced the images, and I got all of this this traffic coming in and all of these people reaching out to me saying, what have you got going on? Obviously things are going really well. Like what's new, you know? And it was just the images that spoke for that. And so I feel like it Yes, it's voice. Yes, it's the way that we, it's the tone that we use, but the power of, of imagery is so important. And I'm getting ready to do another shoot. Like I'm doing this shoot. It's called, you know, it's the weird is better, uh, shoot. And with the same photographer I used before, I can't wait. I'm like so excited because, you know, this is like, I could spend a lot of time developing, you know, like, like some sort of, huge thing, but a strategy, but the biggest piece of this next phase is incorporating these images. And I know that. So yeah, I think that, that being consistent and having that across your, you know, for your brand across all the channels is so important. Well, and, and something else that I've, I've just recently done, uh, I keep changing up my backdrop. I know that the listeners can't see this, but uh, us in, uh, in here, you can see it. So I keep changing up my backdrop. And I don't want to get typecast with one single, you know, wooden backdrop or one single type. So I keep changing it up. And this, uh, the latest one that I'm, I'm using is one of my own photographs. I'm starting to like really leverage my own photography and starting to really incorporate more of me, just more of me into what I'm doing instead of just trying to go the cookie cutter route of, you know, following in the footsteps. When I was having um, my brand photos done, the photographer, she's absolutely amazing, but she kept trying to get me sitting at a desk with the laptop, oh, flower, yeah. and the, everybody has one of those. If you're a female entrepreneur running a business, you probably have those photos in your roster. 
I, yeah, on the cell yeah. phone, you know, the, yeah, on the cell phone. Yeah. I, my, my biggest thing with her is that I did not want to look like I was in a stock photo. It just yeah. has to be me. And that's why I, we brought I need more doctor. stock photos of people holding phones. So feel free to just send those photos <laughs> of yourselves to me so I can use it in my marketing. I just took one of my daughter, just like, you know, when you're taking stock, but as you're going along, you're like, okay, she's playing on her phone. I can use this for a future presentation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. No, I, I have to say, you guys are really missing out. The people who are listening to this later are missing out on not seeing Amanda's awesome backdrop because, and it's so you because it's like it's this so outdoorsy. You. The colors, uh, you know, they like work with your coloring. It's amazing. It was uh, it was shot while I was sitting in my kayak with the dog in the kayak. So it's just it really is me. It's Aww. so. When I look at this, it it inspires me. It gets me amped up. It gets me excited. Even though it's not a perfect backdrop, doesn't matter. It's, it's and again, it's just it's the it's the going back to brand and image. If I can do something that weaves in my personality and lights me up, then I'm bringing more value to the people who are taking the time to give me their attention span. Yeah, that awesome. is so entirely true. The the more that you are entirely yourself, I honestly believe the better you are going to market, the better you're going to present yourself and your personal brand. Spot on, Amanda. That's awesome. Love it. Now, Kiki, you're going to get these new pictures taken. And I'm I'm curious yeah. if you're going to incorporate the concept of design thinking with digital transformation into these new images. So, so I, you guys, and I could, this could totally bomb and it totally could. And maybe we can have a whole separate podcast episode about that. But I am like anyone who knows me, I like, I've been working on this why weird is better concept for a while. I've been talking about design thinking and experiential marketing and things like this for a while. And so this why weird is better is all about that, Elizabeth. I'm so glad you asked me about that because um, I am working on some really artsy, weird, edgy kinds of photos, which are not going to be the stock photo like, here I am on my, you know, my special sport device. It's, it's definitely going to be something different. And I've been looking and working with the photographer on, you know, some stuff that speaks and could stand on its own and will is really different. It's it like truly like, how, and it's, yeah. How does that relate to the concept of design thinking? Kind of explain that a little bit. Well, I think that, I think it relates to design thinking because you have to be thinking, you have to be empathizing with where people are when they're trying to solve their problem. And, and everything starts with empathy um, whenever you're trying to solve a problem using design thinking. And in this case, if somebody hires me, I realize this is a big discovery for me, um, for business, right? Is that people don't hire me because I'm like everybody else. They're not hiring me because I'm the safe choice, you know? And I, I have to work on that. That's a whole other discussion where it's like the weekly reports are really important because they're taking a risk when they're, you know, because I work with associations, usually risk-averse organizations that are, that need some hand-holding. But if they're hiring Kiki with Amplified Growth, who does association chat and always talks about why weird is better, and they're venturing into the design thinking territory, they're not looking for me to be just like everybody else. So this speaks to that off of the top you're not going to get the same thing. It's not going to be like like everything that you've been through. And you're probably going to feel maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Now, 
am I cutting the heads off of, of like a fish or something like in art photos? No, this is not the idea. But it's not that edgy, not that edgy. But um, is it going to be something that's more creative that that looks different than the typical thing you see with people who are working on marketing for associations? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm sad, but we have to we have to move on. I'm sad and happy because I'm super stoked to talk to our next group. But this just drives home the point, right? That we need a part two with uh, with Amanda and Kiki. So I want to thank you guys. And I want anyone who's listening to definitely absolutely go back and listen to episode 11. Uh, it was a love fest and knowledge fest all all in one cool little package. So thank you ladies for being on. And as I said before, you're welcome to stay on. You can hang out, but I know y'all are busy. So I'm going to welcome our next group of guests. We have Madeline Sklar. She is the Twitter Smarter Queen. And she was on episode four. Um, We talked Twitter, of course. What else would we talk about with Madeline? And then... In episode 15, we talked about using Pinterest to drive traffic to your business with Jeff, C, and Kara Chase. Welcome, welcome. Hey. Hi, guys. So, Kara, um, you've had a little um, life event since we talked to you last. Yes, I made um, a human. You made a human. Yeah. I didn't know you were cooking a human when you were on before. I had no idea. <laughs> so then I was like, wait a minute. She had a baby. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so congratulations. Thank you. He's five weeks today. Oh, fantastic. Yep. All right. So how kind of how we've been doing this is we're... Um, Rather than me uh, giving a full bio about you guys, I'm just having everybody, since it's so quick, um, just give a quick, you know, few sentences about yourself and kind of um, what you do and um, and what you're up to if you want to share um, further. And then the three of us each have a question for you. So we'll, we'll kind of go in order of, uh, of how the, the shows went. So all the way back to episode four was, you know, almost a year ago. Um, Madeline, we were so lucky to have you on um, early in the show and to help us kick off season two with this little reunion. Tell our listeners about yourself. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks for having me back. And gosh, I can't believe it was almost a year ago. Gosh, uh, y'all have done so great. So proud of y'all. A little bit about me. I help marketers become rock stars on Twitter. That's been my focus. I just love Twitter. I'm passionate about it and I love teaching it. Um, But these days, in addition to that, I'm also running a mastermind helping women conquer video because so many of us are not utilizing video and I'm trying to change that. So that's what I've been up to. Fantastic. Mr. C. Well, I'm Jeff C. Uh, I uh, am, have mainly picture strips. That's what I started with. And I also work with the lovely Jen Cole over at Social Media Examiner. We do, uh, we're part of the social team. Uh, I do a lot of live video over there as well as run their Instagram and uh, Pinterest accounts. So that's me. Fab. And Kara, other than making a human, what's yes. your story? So what else I do with all my free time is... Um, <laughs> I'm a Pinterest marketer and Squarespace designer for online entrepreneurs, so services and products. And I also run a Pinterest online learning community that's about half course and half uh, small mastermind group. Fantastic. All right. Well, welcome back. Thank you, guys. Uh, So I'm going to start with Madeline. Uh, I wanted to see what you think... um, is the biggest opportunity, and I don't want to lead the witness, so I'm not going to ask anything further than, what do you think Twitter's biggest opportunity is moving forward? 
Oh gosh, there's so many of them. You know, they have a lot of underutilized features. And I, I, I feel like video is just one of those things that there's so much opportunity there. So I've been on this mission for the past year to get people to reply to some of their tweets with a video. So I call it video reply day. That's the hashtag. Uh, a community was built out of that, which was just crazy. I wasn't trying to do that. It's just sometimes you, you start a hashtag and crazy things happen. But I think that video is something that that is just so great no matter what platform you're on. But I'm really just focusing that on Twitter. And I think there's so much that people can get out of just spending time making videos. Like we all make videos on Instagram every day, right? Like we all do that. We can do the exact same thing on Twitter, but nobody thinks to do that. They don't think to, you know, hey, let me make a little video while I'm walking my dog and put it on Twitter. Right. So that's, I'm just trying to make sure people know that, sure, you can do that. Awesome. Yeah. You inspired my, I think my uh, one of two video <laughs> reply days that I've done. Um, so thank you for that. I saw both sure. of those again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, Madeline, I feel like I've learned so much from you like for years, but especially in the last year and of course the last few weeks. Um, and so, which leads me to my question, um, because I feel like you should share this with everyone. This is so, it's been so powerful for me and I feel like everyone can learn from it. What is the biggest benefit that you believe that holding Twitter chats can be for a brand? Oh my gosh, so many. Uh, Twitter chats are such a great way to just get your name out there. So if you're looking for brand awareness, start a Twitter chat. It is so easy to do. And it can be as simple as just picking a topic each week and just having the community talk about it. You don't have to have a Q&A with a guest every week. Uh, it can be very time consuming. But as a brand, just come up with relevant topics each week and invite your community. I'm so proud of a uh, social media examiner like doing, you know, y'all doing that first chat. Uh, I unfortunately showed up a little late, but I was really wowed by uh, all the people that were there, all the support you were having from the community. I hope it's something you're going to do regularly over yeah. there. But yeah. you know, what a great way to get brand awareness. What a great way to talk about things that are important to the brand, talk about upcoming events. So when social media marketing world's around the corner, it'll be a great opportunity. It's not like, oh, it's a salesy promotion. It's, hey, this is part of our community and let's talk about it. And who are you excited to see? And hey, we're looking for volunteers. There's so much opportunity there. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's so amazing. Oh my gosh, where was my heart just talking about it, Madeline? It's so exciting. What a great transition, Madeline. It's like it's like you knew where I was going to be going with my uh, question for you. So, oh, cool. I was thinking about how Twitter and live events used to be a magical combination, right? But now that, used to. Well, now so this is this is how I'm going to phrase it, right? Now that event event hashtags are cluttered with spam. Right? How have you seen? Like, what are the tactics or campaigns that you've seen that are successful for the the brands that are hosting the event or sponsoring an event? Like, how can they be successful at engaging on Twitter? Well, I think it's important to have a team of people from the event or conference that are using it 
all the time. And if you have, you know, maybe you can have your employees do it, or if you're just an organization with a bunch of volunteers, try to get your volunteers to do this. When people see others using it, then they'll hop on, they'll get interested. And before you know, it snowballs. Uh, But you got to make sure everyone knows what the official hashtag is. Too many times I've seen conferences and events not make an announcement. And so people will make up their own hashtags. And before you know it, there's 10 different hashtags during a conference. Mm -hmm. And it can get very uh, overwhelming. It can get very confusing. So you want to be sure that there's a big announcement about this is the official hashtag. This is what we recommend you use. It's what we'll be using. It's what we're going to focus on. And, uh, And just getting as many people using it as possible. Comic-Con is actually a sadly good example of that. Like I, I was there and my, one of my clients um, had gotten bought out for three days of the, of the convention. And, and I was like, is it SDCC 18? Is it SDCC 2018? Like everyone was using all sorts of like writing out Comic-Con. It was all, it was, it was really all across the board. And it occurred to me, like, I don't know that I've ever even seen the organization themselves. Yeah. So they didn't have signage or anything you could no. see. See, that's, that's, they could have done so much with that, right? Like put it on all the signage, even put it in the bio of the Twitter account. It doesn't have to be year round, but when the event is coming up, you know, put it at the bottom, like official hashtag and put, put it on there so people will know they'll see it. Uh, so yeah, that's too bad that they didn't do that. Yeah, it was interesting. Well, and then, and then, you know, how uh, Instagram will throttle a hashtag yes. is getting used too much. So that ended up happening too with the with the main one. So then I was like, oh, I'll use the other one. <laughs> it's not being used too much. <laughs> It'll still get seen. But um, yeah. so I don't know, kind of, kind of funny. So, all right, actually, this is a, a good transition because uh, it was on Twitter Smarter that Kara Chase was a guest. And that's how I discovered her and asked her to be on the show. So um, yeah, so Kara and, and Jeff were on episode 15 talking about using Pinterest really um, in a way that I think we a lot of us had lost sight of um, how it's it can, it can be really good to drive business. And so again, in a really popular um, episode. So I wondered, um, and, and Kara, I know you've kind of been on a on a like a partial work. So if you can think about this back to like when you're still working. Full, full time, but I, I'm curious if there's anything that your clients in particular are struggling with um, with Pinterest that you're trying to help them through. I think there's a lot of um, misunderstanding about best practices on Pinterest. And honestly, I think it's because Pinterest historically hasn't been great about putting out best practices, although they're improving that quite a bit. Um, I just had someone the other day say, how am I supposed to pin 50 pins a day. And I said, who told you to do that? Like, you know, you don't have to do that to be successful. So I think there's a lot of misinformation and I spend a lot of time with my clients just correcting their understanding of best practices on Pinterest. Yeah. You know, I'm still um, fine tuning my own Pinterest um, usage uh, for myself and um, for Depict Media as well. And so I, I, I know how powerful it is. Um, and so this perfectly leads me into my question. When a brand is struggling to figure out their own spin on Pinterest strategy, because they do see the potential impact of it, um, what insight can either of you provide them for how to go into it with full force? I don't know if Jeff, you want to go first on this one or... 
Well, it kind of ties into the question Megan asked uh, Kara at the beginning. It's like, I think one of the, <clears throat> this true Pinterest doesn't have a lot of best practices. And also it, people don't know how to design images for Pinterest because it's so, they struggle to put out a blog post image just normally. You know, most, most businesses do like the whole, you know, horizontal video and Pinterest are kind of vertical now or square and they're like, I don't know what to do. And so I think that's the biggest thing is training them is they need to have a special, you know, they need to have a pin for Pinterest. They need to take the time, not just to create one image, but to, if they're going to do Instagram, do like three and, and pin those and pin those regularly. So I think that's the biggest thing I think clients struggle with is that image and, and where to get started. And then, then you can dive down the, the rabbit hole of great tools to use like social warfare, which pins the correct image to whatever, um, platform you're going to. But I think that's the biggest thing. I just spoke at a megaphone conference at, uh, in Arkansas and these are bloggers before blogging even started. These people have been blogging this long and they still were struggling with Pinterest. And when I told them how much traffic it, it drives and how, uh, you know, like social media examiner and Jen knows this, like it's our, our number one driver of traffic now for social in the social area. And, um, it's just so powerful. And it, and it's easy. That's why I did it. I, I knew it was easy. I'm the guy. I can click a button and share an image. I'm done. And so uh, it just makes it easy that way. I would also add that um, one of the best ways to educate clients is talking about the whole concept of repurposing their content. So not everybody is a blogger blogging two to three times a week. And I have clients across the board, industries, services, products, what have you. And it's really about thinking how to fit Pinterest into their business, not trying to make their business fit Pinterest. Mm -hmm. And that can be marketing funnels to landing pages with opt-ins. That can be making sure you've got viable pins enabled. But also, if you are someone that's blogging, but you only blog you know, once a week or once every couple of weeks, don't think about it in terms of, oh my gosh, I need to just churn out this content for Pinterest. Create five different pins to go with one blog because Pinterest sees that as five different pieces of content. And that's the magic of Pinterest and what makes it so great. Yeah, yeah that's pretty powerful. That's, uh, content repurposing is such a time saver for people when they do it right. It's so magical. Like, I'm glad that you brought up that point because it can do amazing things, especially on Pinterest. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. See, and and Pinterest is um, you got to remember it's for evergreen posts. And so like Facebook, the half life, which is like when fifty percent of your engagement happens, is like ninety minutes. On Pinterest, it's three point five months. So a Pinterest pin lasts like something like and I'm not, not I never do math when you're on live video, uh, but it's like like a thousand times more than a Facebook post is. And it just it I just these people who won't do it, I just want to bang their head against their screen because it's so. It, it's so much traffic that they're giving up by not making that Pinterest pin. So I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> I get the passion. Yes. So that's so funny. One of our aha moments from your episode was that Pinterest is a, vis a visual search engine and not social media. So what do you guys think about the concepts like authenticity and how do those apply to Pinterest like they do, say, Instagram? So is this a place where you really show your true self in a more genuine manner? Or do you think things like stock images and kind of a more scripted vibe are okay on Pinterest? I, I think it's a balance. I enjoy when I do click through to somebody's profile. I like seeing that they have boards that maybe show their sense of humor. Jeff, one of your boards um, caught my eye probably a couple of years ago and it's your coffee board. 
that you, I don't know if you still have it up. I probably do. I don't ever I was like, oh, I'm following that. That's funny. I mean, so it, it makes, it, it does give that connection to people when you show a little bit of your sense of humor. I do think it is more important, however, on Pinterest, and Jeff, you might disagree with me. I don't know. Um, but to have that professionalism and branding consistency and making sure everything is like buttoned up tight. I think that's more important than having some funny boards and, and showing your personality. It really is all about the keywords. Yeah. So I come from, I think it also is important to show your personality, but also like you said, Kara, be professional. But I think it's different from uh, as a personal brand versus a business. So like I'm a personal brand. So there's a lot of things that fit under the Manly Pinterest Tips brand. I mean, I've got wood carving all the way to bacon, which right. is, you know, there's nothing else than bacon. Everything's, so, everything's every, better with bacon. Yeah, everything is, even your social media accounts. So, for but for a business, I really try to focus in, and I think about the professional images um, is very, very uh, key. Also, the ability to that they know because people also struggle. Businesses like I just want to pin my stuff. No, I don't agree with that because I want to I want to give my audience what, what they need and what they want, and so. Technically, Karen and I probably compete, but there's enough pins to go around. And so I pin her stuff all the time because it it makes sense to my audience. It might help my audience out. So I'm always thinking about what my audience wants, what boards are performing really well. And I'm like, okay, so this month, uh, Facebook, for some reason, is real popular. Well, I need to feed that content monster and you know keep putting stuff there that my audience will want. And that's how your account grows. And that way, when you do put your pins out there, you're more likely to get uh, repins and people to click on your content because um, they're used to seeing good stuff from your account. I The way I like to phrase that, Jeff, and I'm so happy you said that about repinning other people's stuff, I like to think of it as you want people to see you as a content curation expert in your right. industry. You are grabbing for them the best stuff out there. And like you said, there's enough to go around. And to go back to the whole authenticity it's going back to Pinterest is not Instagram. It's not Instagram stories. It's a different feel. People are there for a different reason. You might have the same person who's your target audience, but they're on Instagram for a very different reason than they're on Pinterest. So keeping mm-hmm. that in mind. That That's a good point. And I, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the podcast episode or not, but I did a deep dive because I had a big client. Uh, it was actually a, a uh, like a wardrobe, like Nordstrom's. It was kind of that high level stuff. And I did a big research into that. And I looked at like, um, in fact, Nordstrom's catalog. And if you look on Pinterest um, versus their Instagram, they'll have the same catalog photos, but the catalog photos on Pinterest will be cut off. You won't see the faces on the the ones on Instagram. You see the whole, you know, lifestyle shot. And the reason behind that is people go to Pinterest to dream and to plan, and they want to see their face in that outfit, not somebody else. And yep. so that was a big eye opener to me. And you have to, you know, take that to your clients and say, listen, Pinterest is not the same as Instagram. You might be able to repurpose some of those images, but it's not the same network. That's so, a perfect and, example. yeah, because also we have Pinterest, everything is a link back. Everything is a link back. And Instagram, you have that one little thing in the bio. I mean, I love Instagram, but for driving tra- traffic, it stinks to high heaven. So uh, Pinterest is the way to go. Absolutely. And I think we all learned that from you guys. And I am guilty of going. I went and I made it a business profile and I 
and I cleaned it up a little bit, but I haven't done nearly what I should. Um, and yeah, I know, I know, I will, I will. This is all, this is all like re- revitalizing everything again. So, uh, man, that went fast, right? Like this has been so much fun having, being able to roll groups along and into each other. But of course, it's never enough time. So, um, but I want to be conscious of your guys' time as well. So I want to thank you, Jeff and Kara and Madeline. And of course, my co-hosts, my partners in in crime, Elizabeth. And <laughs> oh my gosh, yes! Part one of of the reunion shows of season two is wrapping up. We have part two that we're recording tomorrow. So if you're listening to this, please be sure to listen to the next one and you'll get a whole bunch more um, knowledge bombs and revisits with people from six different shows um, from last season. So thanks again, everyone. And we will catch you next time.